My next guest is a Vegas insider, a gambling insider for Fox Sports and CBS Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Firmer. And Todd, how's everything going for you? Everything is good. As you can tell, I'm in beautiful Pittsburgh here. I don't want people to be discouraged by my luxurious accommodations and laundry strewn about. Hopefully, it won't take away from the content and diving into a little playoff talk today. Yes, I was going to make sure. You're not in the Bellagio in Vegas right now at, at Pittsburgh? <laughs> you know what? This may be some of the workers' quarters in Bellagio or Ario when you're there. This, however, may be the nicest accommodations <laughs> you can find right along the Allegheny in Pittsburgh. So uh, I won't claim it's the Caesar suite by any stretch of the imagination. It's no rainmaker. It's no hangover. Anything along those lines. We're out here slumming it. Is there is, – is, is, is sports gambling legal in Pennsylvania yet? That it is. Uh, this was one of the first states to come online. You had New Jersey really break down the barrier, and Pennsylvania was quick to follow suit. So you do have some of the bigger players out here, FanDuel, DraftKings, I mean, you name it, trying to gobble up market share. And the good thing about Pennsylvania is they've been pretty aggressive in terms of trying to give their operators an opportunity to make an extra buck or two. And I think they have to because the, there's a significantly higher barrier to entry from a tax standpoint in Pennsylvania than what you're going to find in a lot of other states. So well, discourage some of the smaller shops from coming in out here. Uh, the big boys have definitely taken full advantage, knowing how crazy this state is about its beloved teams. I'm in D.C. and they just opened up the sports book Capital One. Do you think that's going to become a, like a, a common thing at arenas around the country? I do. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. It takes from the European model. And I actually had a chance to see what that looked like years ago. Uh, I was studying internationally as a senior in college down in Australia and was blown away. We went to see a national rugby league game between the Sydney Rabbitohs and I can't remember who they were playing and a couple of the Australians were with they said hold on a second we need to walk into the TAB which is essentially their offshore betting placed the bet we walked right to our seats and went man this is something I never possibly could have imagined uh, but you have to give the Leonsis family credit for being the first to do it and I think it's just one of many spots in legalized jurisdictions where you're going to see some big sports bars big sports books uh, and everyone trying to get a piece of the pie to create that fully immersive uh, level of fan engagement that some of these sports have been looking for. What do you, what do you think the sportsbook at the casinos, the, the incentives are? Do you think it's just going to get better odds? And if you have, should you pull up the FanDuel, the DraftKings app on your phone? What, what's the incentive? No, I think it's just having that access. For folks that hadn't thought about placing a bet and if they want to bet cash instead of depositing uh, into an account or anything along those lines, I mean, think about all the times we've been to different sporting events and you're betting your buddies, you know, next batter, will it be a hit? Or, you know, will the first quarter end on odd or even of an NBA game? You happen to have 15 bucks in cash floating around, walk down to the sports book, place a bet, and suddenly that game that was a 30-point drubbing going into the fourth quarter gets to be a lot more exciting. Uh, and for any of the NBA fans out there, uh, for all the intrigue or lack thereof, especially in the first round, it's a heck of a lot better to have a team plus 26 and a half with seven minutes to go and be sweating a pregame bet where you took a dog plus five and they found themselves down 29 with about six minutes left. No, I, I, cause that's my favorite kind of bet. Even though I don't win too often is when the team's way down. I think, Oh, they got to come back. In. And I, I, <laughs> I, I think I that's take the losing thought, team. Yeah. That's everyone's thought process, especially in the NBA. You know, what's the old saying that every team <laughs> makes a run. Uh, the reality of it is there's a reason that a live line is 27 and a half. Every NBA game doesn't fall in a 10 to a 12 point window. No, like last night, like Lakers done 15. I'm like, all right, if LeBron goes into God mode, I can get plus, thousand, plus a thousand. So. I, I think everybody kind of had that thought process when they're down double digits to the break. You see them try and make a run midway through the third quarter. 
they're flirting with that 11 to nine point window and you go, oh, we've seen this before. The Lakers are going to force a game seven. The refs are going to get tight with their whistle. Uh, but I think the league realized the biggest superstar on display in that series uh, wasn't wearing Lakers yellow and gold. It happened to be the man, you know, donning the Devin Booker jersey out there, seven of eight in the first half, could not miss. Uh, and I think it's great that you're going to see some of these young superstars on a much bigger stage, especially in the next round, instead of the more traditional names we've grown accustomed to vying for the Larry O'Brien trophy. Do you know what kind of odds the Suns had to win the, win the title outright at the beginning of the season? No, I, I want to say they were somewhere in that 50 to 60 to one ballpark. Uh, it may have even been a little bit higher at, at some shops. I know they created an awful lot of buzz last year with that dominant performance in the bubble where they went undefeated, still weren't able to get into the playoffs because they didn't get the help they needed. And then they added Chris Paul this offseason, who has been the consummate floor general. And you hope for all the star-studded teams that Paul has been a part of, the one thing missing from his resume is that NBA championship. I'm not sure the Suns will have enough if they were to navigate through the Western Conference and knock off whoever comes out of the East. Uh, but at the same time, it's been one hell of a story to watch. And you see guys like Jay Crowder, uh, like Chris Paul, really provide that veteran presence they so desperately needed uh, alongside a very exciting young core, highlighted, of course, by Booker uh, and DeAndre Ayton. So for the teams that are already in the second round or we're expecting to be in the second round, which teams do you think have the best shot outside of Brooklyn to potentially win a title and be able to make some money off that? I mean, if we're looking at the Western Conference, I think it's wide open at this point. We saw the Jazz obviously drop game one of the Memphis Grizzlies. That, of course, comes with an asterisk because you played that entire entire first game without Donovan Mitchell. Uh, the Jazz probably made the prudent decision. I mean, sitting him an extra game, we've seen how that shooting was on full display against Memphis. Just so tough to withstand the barrage from beyond the arc. Uh, and you look through the rest of the Western Conference, none of these teams have been there and done that before. The Clippers, you know, they have their hands full or, uh, you know, against the Dallas Mavericks when we're recording it here uh, on Friday morning. That, of course, could change by, by the time all of this gets out there. But you look at, you know, the teams that have advanced already. And I think you look at Phoenix, I make them a substantial favorite. The market probably not giving them enough credit uh, for that price. So I think they'll get through the Western Conference Finals. And for me, I really believe we're talking about Phoenix against Utah for the right to take on whoever emerges from the East. Interesting. That's why. Do you think it is Brooklyn or do you think Kyrie Irving's going to say, you know what, I'm moving to Puerto Rico and then all of a sudden we can't hear him for a month? <laughs> uh, you know what, I wanted to make a case for the 76ers as the dark horse to come out of the East. Uh, but that was, of course, before Joel Embiid tears his meniscus. And now with him being touch and go, wouldn't shock me at all if they get upset by the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I think whoever comes out of that Brooklyn-Milwaukee series and I'm not exactly uh, rubbing my crystal ball or telling people anything they don't already know. Uh, but this Brooklyn team so star-studded. Uh, it's almost as though they're the evil empire against the little engine that could at this point for who comes out of the West. No, yeah, it's unbelievable. What were your thoughts on all the moves uh, in, in Boston and the front office and the coaching staff the other day? I think they needed a shakeup. I think the biggest thing that Boston has to try and figure out is this Jason Tatum's team. Uh, and is Jalen Brown perfectly comfortable with being the Robin if Jason Tatum is the Batman. And it's so hard to get young alpha males, guys in their early 20s that have, you know, illusions of being that bona fide go-to scorer uh, and to get them to acquiesce to, to that secondary role, even if it's going to help put them in the best spot uh, to compete for championships going forward. Uh, my feeling is once they identify their head coach, whatever direction they choose to go in, they're going to have to look themselves hard in the mirror and go, hey, look, Jalen Brown wants to be a number one. We have to trade him and get as much back as we can and build around Tatum. Uh, that'll be the hardest decision, uh, but I would be stunned if Kemba Walker's back. I think the 
fact that he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. It almost reminds me a little bit of the Gordon Hayward experiment. By no fault of their own, you just have to figure out what are the pieces around Tatum because he is that face of the franchise. And we've seen that on full display, you know, with those couple of 50-point games down the stretch, including one in the playoffs, which I think was the sixth best performance uh, from any individual in Celtics playoff history. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. And with, with Stevens, if, if you were betting, do you think he stays in the front office in Boston longer than two years? I think this is a position that Brad Stevens will hold until he finds the opportunity to take on the next head coaching job. Most likely I would say in college where he can go back, uh, pick the program that he wants to be a part of, you know, some school will lure him with uh, all sorts of control uh, and a large, large payday. He just doesn't strike me as the guy. And I don't know personally. So I'm speaking out of turn here as one who's going to be content to kind of, assume the front office responsibility, still an X's and O's guy. And I think he's got a lot left to accomplish on the floor. It's just his first foray into the NBA didn't quite work out the way he would have drawn it up. You surprised he didn't take that Indiana gig? I think, you know, Stevens has always been a man of principle. So if that gig was open at the end of the year, maybe it's a much different story. I don't think yeah. he was going to leave the Celtics high and dry and pull a, you know, Bobby Petrino slash Nick Saban type move, go back to college and, and abandon a professional team because it closes some of the doors for you professionally going forward if Stevens does want to indeed remain in the NBA as a head coach. So I think for his career longevity, he made the right move. And to be quite honest, if you're Brad Stevens, maybe wait out a couple of years. Mike Woodson falls on his face, and suddenly you can come in and be the saving grace for an Indiana program uh, that hasn't quite achieved the lofty heights that we saw you know, for years under Bobby Knight way back when. And they want to win national championships in Bloomington. It hasn't quite been the case under Archie Miller and some of the coaches before him. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I want to flip, flip, over, flip over to football. Um, some of the biggest storylines because really has been nothing going on since the draft. Or obviously, where's Aaron Rodgers going to land? Where's Julio Jones going to land? And the I've seen the odds are constantly shifting with the favorites and who, where the people think they're going to go. What, what's your take on the situation? I mean, the Aaron Rodgers situation is fascinating. Uh, when you look at how there doesn't appear to be any trust between him and the organization. Uh, I mean, it's well chronicled how often Green Bay has gone in different directions, especially early rounds of drafts, rather than giving Rodgers weapons. I mean, you have Devontae Adams and then a cast of characters kind of assuming that number two. Uh, and Aaron's made enough money in his career. You wonder if he's stubborn and headstrong enough to go the hell with it. I don't care. You're either going to trade me or I'm going to sit out and I'm going to force the organization to be handcuffed. I know FanDuel and some other books have very short prices uh, on him to be a member of, say, the Denver Broncos. I'm not sure I'd be running to bet him, but that would still be the front runner. I think when you look at the amount of money that the Broncos have committed cap-wise to their starting quarterbacks, less than $6 million, uh, I think they're on the hook for with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. You trade Locke, you trade a couple of number ones, and you hope that Aaron Rodgers can have the same impact on your franchise uh, that Peyton Manning did. The Julio situation, uh, a little bit more interesting because I'm not quite sure what's the most logical fit for him. I had thought for a while that he could be a member of the Rams. He's got a close relationship with Raheem Morris. We saw a couple of books take substantial money to drive those numbers from the mid-60s into the single digits. Uh, I know the Seahawks were surfacing as a potential landing spot, but if you're Seattle, is that the guy that's going to put you over the hump for a defense that was a bigger problem than the likes of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Uh, and the Titans, I think that's a team that provides a very good fit. We know his relationship with Derrick Henry. They're looking for weapons opposite A.J. Brown. But again, what are they willing to give up for a receiver who played the fewest games last year that he has at any point in his career? And while I think Julio's got some left in the tank, he's not a spring chicken. I mean, we're talking about a wide receiver in his early 30s 
And we know the NFL, uh, they don't call it the not for long league. And a lot of it is because skill position talent, when you get on the other side of 30, it's tough to maintain that high level of productivity, unless your name is Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, so obviously when the schedule's all rolled out, you obviously have the futures odds for who's going to win the Lombardi. Are there any teams that pretty good odds that kind of intrigue you? A team I like that I thought was undervalued, whose schedule did them no favors, would have been the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not going to waver because I think this team can still accomplish a good amount. Sure, I'm not a Kirk Cousins believer, but you're not going to get tremendous odds or an opportunity to take a flyer with a long shot with a truly elite quarterback. Uh, but this was a defense last year that clearly uh, had so much youth and inexperience. It's going to take some time to understand the complexities of, of Mike Zimmer's defense. You get Daniel Hunter back, better free agent acquisition than any defense could potentially add with a star-studded pass rusher. Uh, and we saw how explosive that offense could be with a healthy Dalvin Cook, uh, Justin Jefferson, and what those guys meant to the passing attack. So the Vikings would be a team, especially if Aaron Rodgers were to move out of the division, uh, I think they have a chance to win the NFC North. Uh, and other than Tampa, I mean, do you really trust any team in the NFC right now to go in their week out, in week out and provide a uh, you know, pretty consistent performance? And I guess in the AFC, if I'm taking a team not named the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, I love what's going on in Buffalo. Uh, I think Josh Allen has shown a tremendous amount of maturation and Brian Dable deserves a world of credit for getting Allen to buy into the scheme. Offensively, they were dynamic last year. Defense took a step back. Uh, but when your head coach is Sean McDermott and defense has always been his calling card, you have to be optimistic that that group will raise its level of play if the offense doesn't fall off. Uh, I think the Buffalo Bills getting to the AFC Championship last year taught them the experience, uh, and maybe this year they're able to get over the hump. What about MVP? Are there any, any guys out there that kind of maybe? It, it's like such that? a tough award. It's crazy. I mean, when you look at FanDuel and you see that the top seven players on that board are all quarterbacks, you want to try and make a case for – uh, a player like Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey and go, hey, look, what kind of stat lines do these guys have to put up to get serious consideration? So, you know, when you're looking at some of the quarterbacks out there, I take you try and find guys that haven't quite arrived on the scene. So maybe you believe in Justin Herbert uh, with a head coaching change. We saw how prolific he was in, in his rookie campaign. And I think they're going to give him plenty of opportunities to air the ball out in that offense. Uh, and maybe if you're looking for a comeback story, Carson Wentz, can he regain that 2017 MVP form we saw when he was working with Frank Reich in Philadelphia? I think that might be a little bit of a leap of faith for a team who's going to want to lean on the ground game. Uh, but those would be two quarterbacks that I wasn't hes wouldn't hesitate to invest in. Uh, I think the one that's created a lot of buzz that, you know, the price is still a bit short for me would be Matthew Stafford. Sure, while working with Sean McVay, the numbers could be a heck of a lot more productive than what we saw in Detroit. But I worry that you're paying a premium. Uh, right now, and you're buying a stock kind of at the top of the market. Interesting. Interesting. And then I, I wanted to ask you, so right, like nowadays, where there's no football on, you kind of got the NBA playoffs on, baseball's a crap shoot. What, what intrigues you? What are you betting on? Uh, I mean, I'm a huge NHL guy, uh, so that'll get a lion's share of my attention. I'll do a lot more wagering on the NHL throughout the year than the NBA. Uh, kind of follow the NBA as a casual fan. You identify situations during the regular season, the playoffs uh, the same way. And then I'll actually start gearing up for Euro 2020 slash 2021 that'll kick off in earnest this coming weekend. So it's always fun to get involved in the international soccer game. Nothing I love more than trying to bet games under the total and hope nothing happens. But I think that'll be a fun tournament uh, with so much star power and a lot of the most prominent nations in Europe competing for, you know, the second most prestigious trophy in all of international football behind only the World Cup, which we'll see next October in Qatar.
Are you a big Belmont Stakes guy? You know, the ponies have never been something that I've paid a ton of attention to. I'll watch a Triple Crown races. I'll watch some of the bigger events at Breeders' Cup. Uh, but honestly, if you gave me, you know, six figures and had me try and explain the daily racing form to you, it'd go way over my head. And I think I feel a little bit better with my college-level physics classes, understanding centripetal force and explaining that to people than I could the racing form. And on some level, uh, that's what makes things challenging. And I think it's part of the reason, along with higher holds, that you've seen a little bit of a deterioration uh, of the horse racing markets. Uh, but without a triple crown contender, I'll watch the Belmont book, you know, won't live or die by any stretch with who ends up winning at a mile and a half. When you had uh, Medina Spirit and all the stories are coming out about potentially like doping in the Derby, and then I think eventually they said that the horse that came in second was named the winner. Do you think some betters were like, well, I had him? Uh, you know, it kind of is what it is. Uh, I think you go into horse racing, and if you're expecting everything to be clean and kosher, uh, you're only kidding yourself. And so it's no different, in my opinion, than if you're betting college football or college basketball games, only to find out 10 years later that championships, wins and losses are getting vacated. Uh, so while the be recreational better may want to cry foul, we know what we're getting ourselves into. Uh, and if you're claiming that you're only betting a particular sport because of the purity and everything else, uh, I get news for folks. Don't go out there and bet baseballs because uh, bet baseball because you know all the starting pitchers are out there doctoring the ball, and you're not getting a refund anytime soon if super glue or foreign substance is, is uh, identified in any of the pitchers' hands. Now, I want to ask you all the time. Maybe every couple of weeks, you always get these something little pop up like Fanduel or Bleacher Report put out a, a wild parlay that somebody hit. <laughs> Do you think these people like? I remember that like, these guys are like, oh yeah, he's like, a, like a fifteen leg parlay. The guy bet five grand, and all of a sudden he's cashing in. Do you think these guys are just it's just like a one, like a one in a million kind of thing, or do you think these guys actually are betting these often and kind of have an idea what's going on? Well, I think some folks are betting them often, but giving them credit to say they have an idea of what's going on uh, are two completely different storylines. I mean, these things right now, unfortunately, it's the way sports gambling has gone, especially for coverage in the social media era. Uh, it's promising that sports betting lottery ticket. But, you know, these aren't the things that are going to build people's bankrolls. Professional bettors aren't betting 10 to 15 teamers. And for everyone that we see circulated through social, regardless of the book, uh, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of other people that haven't come close to hitting those things. And you can look at the gaming reports uh, and no matter what state you'll go to, and there's a reason parlays are what continues to build sports books. It's not because everybody walks away a winner, you know, putting up 10 bucks, trying to make a six-figure you know, a six-figure payday uh, when the gambling gods smile kindly upon me. I thought it was just me doing that one. I thought nobody else was on that yet. Because, um, like, I always wonder, like, all right, do people just take, like, maybe six underdogs? Or you go, like, oh, maybe it's going to take four favorites and then two long shots, and then you kind of have a better chance. You're gonna probably going to lose regardless, right? Oh, I'm not sure there's any, you know, method or mad method to the madness for, for what those folks are doing to try and be able to – uh, land some of those parlays you need more luck than you do skill to try and get those home uh, and for a lot of folks hey look if you're putting on five or ten bucks and that's what's going to keep you engaged for an entire week in a football I don't ever want to discourage people from doing that I mean it's essentially the same as getting a scratcher uh, from your local gas station and, and hoping that you can try and knock it, knock it out of the park just want people to set realistic expectations and if they see that stuff no different than when you look at, at people posting pictures on Instagram or any of the other social media platforms. A lot of that's not real life. They're showing a highlight and you're never going to see the hundreds and thousands of other parlays that lost to try and get the one winner, AKA a needle in a haystack. I'm crushed that you equated to a scratch up and I thought it was my just skill and knowledge of sports and kind of 
putting one over on the on on, on Vegas. Uh, so, so question. So, let's say I give you, I say I want you to make a bet for me. I give you a hundred dollars, and I say make the smart bet. What, 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 what's your thought process? I mean, like anything else, uh, you want to do your research, and it doesn't matter what sport you're betting. The money's green, whether it's the College World Series, whether you're betting Major League Baseball on Getaway Day, an NBA playoff game. I think people have to try and put the time in and know what sport they feel the most comfortable with instead of trying to bet a game because it's the marquee game of the night or, or the week. And again, it all boils down to what people want to try and accomplish with their sports betting. Uh, for 99% of the population, it should be a form of recreation. No different than, than going to play a round of golf with your buddies. If it eats up three or four hours, uh, bet within your means and, and try and take advantage. Uh, but if you're starting with a bankroll, whether it's 100 bucks, whether it's 1,000 bucks, you have to be willing to adhere to a lot of the principles. And there are a lot of losses you're going to endure before you can begin to win long-term. That's a sobering reality. Uh, and you better get accustomed to failure. And we talk about all the time in baseball that, hey, look, even the best hitters are going to fail seven out of 10 times. Even the best sports bettors are going to fail 45 uh, out of every 100 bets they make. And that may be a little bit on the low end. So if you can endure the ups and downs, then by all means, try and give it a shot. Uh, but for the majority of the population, you're much better served to treat sport betting as a form of recreation uh, done responsibly than you are as a get rich quick scheme of sorts. Do you ever bet on anything that you don't know when it airs or what it is? Because sometimes I'll see like I'll see like the, the fan to laugh and I'll be like, all right, I just like I know it was the the national championship. I was like, oh, Gonzaga is going to come back. They didn't. And then I'm like, all right, I still got a little bit left in the tank. Um, this basketball game somewhere overseas, I don't know where it's airing or who's playing. They're really saying those underdogs can get blown out. I think they have a chance. And then I lose that. I wake up the next morning and they've lost. You ever bet on anything that you have no idea what's going on with? Yeah, my days of firing the overnight soccer and some of the international markets uh, are, are no longer there, but we've all been there and done that. Uh, when you're betting on, you know, African qualification for the World Cup or the Asian Federation, and you're trying to find the rosters for Cambodia and Bahrain before you're informed to try and make a bet. So, no, th those days are behind me, uh, but I can definitely understand what folks are going through because we've all been there at some point firing on a sporting event that we weren't even quite sure what the rules were uh, when we tried to get involved <laughs> and then hope that we were going to be able to catch lightning in a bottle. And the Australian Rules Football League you bet on between Geelong uh, and St. Kilda worked out in your favor to give you an extra bullet to fire uh, on an NFL Sunday. My God, it's a boxing match in the middle of the night on a Tuesday. They're, they're, they don't think this guy's got a shot. Yeah, uh, I, I think he exactly. does. Exactly. The sports books have increased the betting menus. They love to churn and burn and, and turn over that bankroll as fast as they can. There's a reason that every day that passes, there's more and more sporting events to try and take advantage of. And I just got one last question for you. Do you think eventually, I know they just sort of rolled out like the sports book apps with FanDuel, DraftKings, WinBet, a bunch of them. Um, do you think eventually they're going to put more on it, like futures and that kind of thing? Because right now it's pretty bare bones, if you're, at least the one I have. Yeah, I mean, depending on the operator, um, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings have probably offered the most extensive menus. Uh, you're going to get other shops that continue to do that. I think it becomes an arms race. And as people are looking to try and bet on everything, you're going to see a huge proliferation of live betting opportunities, not just on some of the marquee sports. Uh, for example, NASCAR, that's one of their big initiatives. They want people to be fully uh, engaged with their racing, that if you happen to miss it before the green flag drops, that you can bet who's going to win stage two. You can bet it live in the middle of the race uh, and try and give people that may not feel that comfortable betting on certain sporting events before they start to watch an hour, to watch an hour and a half and feel like they have more than a puncher's chance to get involved. So I think betting menus are only going to continue to expand uh, and all the operators out there are in a full-blown arm, full arms race with one another.
Actually, one last quick one. Do you ever cash out on, on one of these bets or you, you let it ride? No, I mean, for me, for sure. I mean, I have to move money around. I mean, I, and living in Nevada, I have access to all the apps that, that a lot of folks do and some of the other states. And to be quite honest, as you look at the growth of the market, states like Tennessee and New Jersey, they have better operators or a larger menu that they can try and spread their bankroll around. Uh, but I'll move money around. And that's the whole thing. I mean, I treat it as a business. You, you hope your balances go up and you continue to bet, you know, three for three to five percent using Kelly criteria or a lot of the other you know, money management strategies. Uh, but typically the biggest thing and piece of advice for those folks that want to do this a little bit more seriously, you know, don't withdraw money from your accounts every time you win, kind of let it ride in there, build bigger, you know, bankroll amounts, you know, bet a little larger that you feel comfortable with uh, and realize, Hey, look, I'm keeping my betting bankroll completely separate from the money that I need for recreation to obviously put a roof over your head or food on the table. Uh, and you'll feel that you can bet a little freer with that opportunity instead of worrying, hey, look, if I lose this parlay, uh, I can't go out to, you know, the movies on a Friday night with my buddies or take my girl out or whatever it may be. How many betting apps do you have on your phone? Uh, you know what? Let me pull it up right now. Well, I'll go through and try and see what I have here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, uh, 13 actual apps. I probably have funds in about 10 of them. I have my odds tracking software and, and everything else. So <laughs> there's a ton of tools and a ton of bankroll that go into it uh, if you want to try and be able to do this the right way. Awesome, awesome. That's really the only question I really have for you. I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, how can people follow you on social media and also check out the show? Yeah, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for the invite. Uh, I encourage them to check out Fox Bet Live, 5 o'clock Eastern, Monday through Fridays uh, on FS1, 219 for those folks with DirecTV. Uh, they can check me out more during football season than this time of year, CBS HQ as well, as we do quite a bit of gambling content. Uh, most importantly, though, uh, download, subscribe, follow the Bet the Board podcast. We'll be back with some NFL and college football previews sooner than you know it. Um, and for folks that want to jump into the Twitter game, uh, they can follow me just at Todd Furman, F-U-H-R-M-A-N. Awesome, man. Well, it's always a pleasure to appreciate spreading some knowledge, and hopefully I can start winning some more bets. <laughs> Hey, appreciate the opportunity and best of luck, luck to folks that are out there, whether it's the NHL, NBA playoffs, Europe, or whatever other sporting pursuit they want to try and invest their hard-earned money in.